Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, a podcast for translators by translators, bringing you simple strategies to build better habits. In each episode, we'll focus on specific habits for translators in various stages of their careers. If you're a translator who enjoys learning about habits to improve your business and lifestyle, then this is the podcast for you. We're your hosts, Madalena Sanchez-Zampalo and Veronica Demichelis. Like you, we are professional freelance translators trying to balance the challenges that come with building a career and maintaining clarity and boundaries between work and personal life. We hope you'll join us in this conversation about smart habits and discover some simple strategies you can apply today to help you build your career and achieve the lifestyle you desire. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators. This is episode 74. In this episode, we'll be talking about some smart habits related to your social media presence. We know that this can be a daunting task, and besides coming up with ideas for content, it can also be hard to stay consistent on social media. That's why we invited someone we think can speak perfectly on this topic to join this conversation, and we're excited to hear her tips today. We're thrilled to be joined by Kelsey Frick. Kelsey is a freelance translation account manager, a French-to-English subtitler, and social media consultant. After working as a project manager in the TNI industry for five years, Kelsey went freelance in the middle of the pandemic and found success by marketing herself on LinkedIn with TikTok-style content and outreach to other translators. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, Kelsey. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, welcome, Kelsey. I'm so excited you're joining us today. Um, I love following uh, you and uh, watching your videos on social media. So I'm really excited you're here with us and uh, we'll hear some great tips from you, I'm sure. Um, Okay, so first, we'd love for you to tell our listeners and colleagues about yourself and your business. What services do you offer and how has your career evolved over time? Yeah, so I am first and foremost a translation account manager and project manager. That's that's the majority of my business. So I kind of um, I have direct clients, and I sort of act as a, a one woman translation agency. Um, and I also sort of white label my services. So I'll go into translation agencies, and they'll give me access to their Dropboxes and set me up with my own email address and all of that stuff. And um, I act as as kind of another pair of hands. Um, in that scenario. So I do that. That's that's the main bulk of my work. But then I also do French to English subtitling and um, content consultancy, social media consultancy uh, for translators. So it's, uh, you know, I'm freelance. So I'm able to do a little bit of everything and, <laughs> and dip my dip my my toes in into a lot of different sectors. So it's, it's really fun. It keeps my day really interesting. Um, I have been working in the industry for about six, six and a half years now. Um, I originally went to university um, to do French and translation with media as well. So that's where I learned subtitling. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I, well, right before I graduated, I actually managed to land a job um, at a local translation agency um, here in the UK and uh, worked with them for five years. It was a boutique agency. So um, I'm sure anyone who has ever worked at a boutique agency knows that you're not just your job title, you're also doing lots of other things. Um, So even though I was project manager and account manager there, I, um, you know, I was doing the marketing and I was doing the recruitment and I was doing, you know, this, that and the other thing. So I learned a lot on the job. 
And um, yeah, during the pandemic, I uh, caught COVID, caught COVID really, really badly, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so I was, it, it took me about four months to recover from COVID. Wow. Um, and, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I think this has happened for a lot of people. That sort of thing really puts things into perspective, doesn't it? So mm -hmm. I, uh, I decided to, um, I decided to, to leave my job at the agency and I, not, not really knowing what I was going to do next. Um, I was kind of looking for my, you know, something new dream job sort of thing. And I figured I'd just go freelance until I found what that dream job was. And, uh, you know, jokes on me because that was the dream job. <laughs> Being my own boss was really, really good. I found out. <laughs> really cool. I love it. Um, so as you probably know, we share smart habits here on the podcast. And for us, smart habits are those things that help help you in your work and everyday life. So we're curious to know what are some smart habits that have been crucial in your career and how do you decide which aspect of your business needs more attention right now, especially because you're juggling so many things? Yes, it's it's developed really organically. I've only been freelance for a year and a half um, and I am really lucky that I've been able to kind of achieve a level that I'm quite comfortable with relatively quickly. Um, but that's mostly... Well, yes, some of it has been in my hands. That's mostly been kind of decided for me, uh, which I think is quite relatable in, in the industry. A lot of people sort of fall into what they do. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I fully intended when I went freelance to start out with um, subtitling, but because people knew me as a project manager, that's what I ended up being. So my, my habits maybe aren't habits, but maybe more kind of rolling with the punches mm -hmm. um, in my career at the moment. Um, just kind of saying yes to opportunities that excite me and saying no to ones that don't, um, but being consistent in that and making sure that I'm, you know, still protecting myself, still protecting my downtime and that sort of thing, but just kind of having that that open mind and, and seeing where it leads to at the mm -hmm. moment. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe not quite a habit, but, uh, yeah, a, a philosophy, right. so to speak. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's a good one. Yeah. And I think the hard part is the consistency, right? I mean, I think that's hard for everybody. Um, and you sort of teed us up here for the next question really well with that, because uh, we were going to ask you about the concept of boundaries. Um, we all know that it's important to have boundaries in our personal lives, but it can also be difficult to keep them in our professional lives. So what boundaries have you set in your professional life and how do you try to maintain those? That's a really good question. It's actually something that I speak about quite a lot. Um, not only in terms of like how I run my business, but also how I create my content. So in terms of how I run my business, I try and be really strict. I don't want to work on weekends. Um, you know, my, my husband, he's a, he's a hospital pharmacist, so he's working long hours. I'm running my own business, so I'm working long hours. So the time that we can spend together those evenings and weekends are really, really precious for us. Um, so I don't want to do anything that's going to sort of, um, you know, get in the way of that. Um, and I need that time to recharge really, to be able to come back and, and show up on a Monday and go, yes, I'm ready to do this. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really key for me. But in terms of content creation, boundaries are really, really specific as well. Um, I'm always of the view that when you start 
developing a content strategy, you want to make sure that you're setting those boundaries for yourself because, you know, you're going to learn the hard way. Somebody else is going to set them for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone's always going to try and push them. So when I started creating content, um, I learned very quickly that I, you know, some of my boundaries are like, um, I won't post any pictures of my family. Um, so people know that I have a husband, uh, but they don't know what his name is or anything. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. that yeah. I won't pick, post pictures of him. Um, another one is I'll talk about mental health because I think that's really important, but I won't talk about trauma. Um, that's that's a private thing for me, but mental health is something that I think it's important for us to to talk about, especially in such a remote um, environment. Yeah. So yeah, those those types of boundaries I I set for myself. You know, thinking about what how much I, of myself that I wanted to share with people. I love that. And can you speak a little bit more about the boundaries you set, particularly with clients? Like you said, you don't work on the weekends. So how do you express that to them? you know, up front, because I know that's part of the hard part of the boundaries for many people is that they actually have to verbalize their boundary for other people sometimes. To be honest, I just try and be as upfront as possible. I think that those those types of things, those boundaries, um, things like pricing, all of the kind of um, stuff that might make us feel a little bit icky, I just get it out of the way as soon as possible. Um, you know, I'm like, hey, can you sign this contract, which is always like, you know, always feels a little bit awkward. Here are my rates. And I don't work evenings and weekends. This is what, you know, you can reasonably expect from me. And I find that just by being upfront about it, and just by addressing it as early on in the process as possible. um, But well, you know, still doing it, you don't have to be completely cold about it, but still doing it with, you know, your friendly self, the way that you've been talking to the client up till now. I find that that has a lot better, you know, longevity to it. There's no surprises further down the line when you're working with this client. Um, if you just kind of, yeah, put it out there right in front. I, I agree with that. And I also think that, um, you know, even if they were to say email you on the weekend or in the evening, the fact that you don't answer them right back is, is you know, maintaining the boundary too that you've already set. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I like that that phrasing of this is what you can expect from me, because I think that is a very respectful way of saying, you know, this is my boundary without saying, don't you dare email me at night or something. You know, it's not it's not the same. So people like to know what they can expect. And I think that's really helpful. So you've also become known in the TNI community as a social media expert, and you also offer social media consulting as a service to your clients. So what platforms do you like to focus on and how did you build your expertise in this area? So my specialization has always been in marketing. The agency that I that I worked at when I graduated and for the first five years of my career, that was a marketing translations agency. So I I was already in that field. Again, kind of fell into it, didn't expect to get into marketing, but that was that was something that um that was always kind of part of my career. So I did a lot of um CPD related to marketing and watched a lot of webinars and did a lot of courses and stuff um, about marketing. So when I went freelance and suddenly I didn't have a salary anymore and I knew that I had to start attracting some clients quickly um, because those emergency savings were quickly draining away. Um, I, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to market because I don't like, I don't like doing the selling part. I like doing 
the marketing part and like doing the connecting and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really the thought process of starting all of the marketing. And the first, the first place that I went to was LinkedIn, which I had used a little bit before and kind of knew a bit of, but I, I think I hadn't gotten quite past that point where, you know, LinkedIn a lot of people see it as basically your online resume, your online CV, right? But I hadn't really gotten past that point where it's to realize that it's actually a social network mm-hmm. um, where people connect. Um, so I think I think there's a little bit of a, a hurdle to overcome with that. But I I just I knew that there was an opportunity there, and I wanted to try it out. Um, so that's where I went to initially and. Then I eventually opened up an Instagram account as well because I I was on LinkedIn posting this sort of TikTok style content and people were saying, oh, where can I find you on TikTok? Where can I follow? You know, where can I see more? So I was like, you know, what? I'll open up an Instagram, but um, I would definitely say LinkedIn is is my main sort of um, platform. Instagram, I have it, but I don't put any sort of like metrics on it or, you know, goals with it or anything like that it's there if I want to be on it and I don't have to like cultivate it Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's great and also I mean LinkedIn really is the professional place to be connecting with clients so it makes complete sense to me Um, exactly yeah so why do you think it's important for freelance translators and interpreters to have a social media presence it's a bit of a difficult question because I, I do think it's important but it's only important for some people If you're currently running a business that is doing well, um, you know, your clients are coming from recommendation, word of mouth, very naturally, you don't have to, you know, sell your services or anything like that. Um, You're charging rates that you want to, you know, if you're content in your business, I don't think that social media necessarily needs to be very important for you. Um, But it's very easy for people to look at people doing well on social media and go oh I need to be doing that I need to be doing that so I yeah I do think it's important but it's important only for some people and it's important only if you think it's going to serve your business how you want it to serve your business um so I think that's that's the main thing that I want to say about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but in terms of what it can do for your business, I mean, for for me, it was I, I was able to quickly build a, a completely inbound business, which I'm really, really grateful for and really lucky to to have. Um, so that's that's kind of that's kind of the dream, right? The idea that your clients are coming to you and saying, mm-hmm. "I want to work with you," mm-hmm. um, because that means not only that you're that you're working with clients that see you, see your personality and go, that would be a perfect fit for me. So you're not wasting your time selling to people that would never want to work with you. Um, but it also means that you can charge slightly higher rates. You know, if people are coming to you and say, I want to work with you, then you say, okay, here's here's the yeah. fee that it is to, to work with me. Um, and frankly, that's that's really good for, for business. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good point. I like that a lot. And I really do agree with the whole, you know, it needs to be that if you're going to use a platform that it serves your business, not just because everybody's doing it. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, so what is your opinion on posting for and connecting with colleagues versus communicating with clients on social media? This is a really good question. I, I think that there is a slight difference and I'm sure that there are people out there that only focus their 
strategy on connecting with clients and fostering those potential relationships and stuff. But I think for me, that kind of comes back to the idea of having to sell my services and, you know, cold contacting people and all of that stuff. So I never really liked that. So my audience actually consists, you know, majority of other freelance translators or other people in the translation industry. Um, and that has served me really well. You know, the translation industry, it's its not its not very big. You know, you start, you tend to see a lot of the same people around and you'll go to a conference one year and a lot of the same people will be there at the next year and stuff. So you start developing those communities. And once you start to build up a little bit of a of a reputation you know people start to trust you and stuff i would say um a lot of my clients actually come from what i call blind recommendation dot roberts and i came up with this for the iti conference when we were looking at um our own sort of client base we realized that a lot of our clients came from this blind recommendation and what that means is that actually um you know, translator colleagues who we've never worked with before, but we've interacted with on social media and stuff, they've actually recommended us to their clients or, um, you know, a client that was looking for services that maybe they didn't offer. And mm -hmm. I've, you know, we've started working with them. So that's actually a, a really big deal. It's created quite a sizable chunk of, of my business. I'd say something like 30 to 40%. I don't have the figures on me right now, but, mm -hmm. you know, ha having people trust you enough just by what you've put out there on social media to, yeah. um, you know, get 30 to 40% of your clients. That's, that's a really, that's a really high return on investment yeah. uh, for, for spending a bit of time on LinkedIn each day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. And I like the, the blind mm -hmm. referral. I get that a lot too, from people I've never met. And it's always surprising, isn't it? When, when you get yeah. referrals, from, but it's so nice too. Yeah. I think, um, what is his name? Ed Gandia calls that helping hands or connectors. And, and that it's a similar thing. It's very interesting. Love that. Helping hands. I might start mm -hmm. using that now instead of blind recommendation. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Whatever the name is. Um, so uh, I think that one of the issues that many people have with social media marketing is the um, idea that it can take up a lot of time. It can really take up as much time as you let it. it can be a full-time job. So how do you stay on top of social media marketing and not let it take over your day? To be honest, it is a large chunk of my day. I'm not going to lie and pretend like it's not a, a mm. good chunk of my day. Um, but the thing that I did really early on when I was, when I went freelance was I tried to make sure that that time in my day was sort of non-negotiable. So up to a point where, you know, if, if, a, if a client was sending a project in and it was going to, I was looking at my planning and stuff, and it was going to interfere with time that I would spend working on my content and my personal brand, then I would turn down that project because I knew that the long-term return for the time that I was putting in was going to be more beneficial than that short-term you know, take this small project, you're, you're just starting out, maybe your rates are a bit lower and stuff like that. I would rather have that time to invest in my business than mm. that tiny amount, which is, I, I recognize a, a privileged position to be in. And, you know, it's, it, we all got bills to pay, don't we? Mm. But um, yeah, I just, I just made sure that that time was, was completely non-negotiable for me. And that's how I navigated it. So now, I guess that that almost kind of becomes my habit is that I always make sure that I have that time in my day um, 
to to do the content creation and fostering those relationships and you know sending messages back and forth all of those things um so I would say probably throughout the course of the day I would spend probably about an hour on my socials mm-hmm. um but that includes content creation and um responding to comments and um messages and all of that stuff so it's not just the not just the posting but mm-hmm. the, the the fostering that goes yeah. with it as well yeah, I, I think, think that's reasonable. Yeah, it is. Don't I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was gonna yeah, say I mean, for a business, it's okay. reasonable yeah. to think that way, I think. Right. Yeah. I think it just, it probably just feels like a bit more when you're one person. Yeah. But if you think of yourself as a business, an hour a day on your marketing, that's that's reasonable, right? But when you're just mm-hmm. one person doing everything, then maybe an hour a day sounds like a lot. Yeah, um, right. Especially when you're, you know, in a rush and there's loads of projects coming in and all of that stuff. So, yeah. Mm, very cool so um in your experience what do people in our profession uh tend to do well when it comes to social media and what are some mistakes um that you see people making I think what people tend to do well um and quite naturally that I've seen it develop in in the translation community is um that that sort of natural outreach and community building Mm. um I think by the nature of the industry that it's mainly remote first and, you know, everyone gets excited when they're going to these conferences or some sort of local, you know, meetup um, or any sort of thing that kind of brings you together. I think we kind of get quite naturally drawn to that um, just by nature of the profession. So I I think that when it, you know, goes online, when it goes on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever, that comes quite naturally, just chatting with people and, you know, being able to message someone you may have never spoken to before, but you've seen them around and you just want to say, hey, enjoy your content, that kind of thing. I think that that that's done really well and quite naturally in the community, um, which is great. Um, I think the most common mistake I see, though, is doing too much too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see it all the time where people will want to, um, you know, they'll want to start posting every day on LinkedIn and, you know, they're really going to get it in gear because maybe they've had a slow month and they know that they need to get their act together and blah, 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 blah. And they pump themselves up and they maybe do, you know, two, three straight weeks of posting and then they're gone for another three months yeah. because they burnt themselves out. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 when you're not used to doing it, when you're not, you don't have those kind of, um, you know, that kind of foundation and building it into your day and stuff like that. As soon as, you know, a big project comes in that quells those fears of, am I ever going to work again kind of thing, then, you know, your marketing is going to go right out the door if that's how you only viewed it. Um, so yeah, it's doing too much too fast, but also, yeah, just viewing it as, solely a money-making exercise I would definitely say that Mm. um marketing for me is is more of a a networking a community building exercise and the the selling part the getting clients and that sort of thing that kind of becomes a byproduct of what I'm trying to do um more organically and and make those connections Mm, right yeah I agree with you it's um it's really about making connections and then those connections can have a ripple effect over other areas of your business but um that's a good way to think about it 
And are there any myths or uh, misconceptions about social media presence that um, you have seen or heard uh, and that you'd like to set straight? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I think the biggest one is um, that you don't you, you don't have to be on every platform. Mm. You really don't have to be on every platform. I I would always say that it's best to start out on one, learn it really well, build it into your day, make sure that you've got that one down pat, and when you're comfortable, then you can start moving on to another one. I mean, it you, it doesn't have to be. You can, you can have the different accounts and stuff like that and recycle the content. I mean, that's content creation 101 is recycling your, your best ideas, right? You know, use that, <laughs> use that as much as you can. But um, you don't want to, you know, like I said with my, with my Instagram, I don't put any metrics on it. I don't have any performance, you know, things on it. I don't, I don't have any goals for my Instagram. It's there because I like it and I enjoy it. But for my LinkedIn, I definitely do. On my LinkedIn, I make sure that I post every weekday and, you know, I'm responding to a certain amount of messages each day and those types of things. Um, because I don't feel like I have time to actually commit to doing LinkedIn, uh, sorry, to doing Instagram really, really well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's one of those things where it's tempting. You feel like you want to be on every platform because that's where you'll have, you know, that's how so many people are going to see you but if you're doing it's a jack of all trains master of none sort of situation mm -hmm. if you're if you're doing all of the platforms but not doing any of them well does that really present the best version of you or would you mm -hmm. rather do one platform really really well and people find you on that platform and know exactly what they're going to be getting when they're you know um buying services from you mm -hmm. I could not agree more with that. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just had this conversation the other day with a group of colleagues. Um, and it was very interesting because when you do ask people um, in our industry, you know, freelancers, colleagues, like, why are you on these different um, accounts to sell, you know, to market your services? Like, why did you choose this one? And sometimes they'll just say, well, I thought I should be there. Or, you know, like, they, they sometimes don't even have an answer. And it is exactly that, like, focus on the ones where you know your clients are and be there consistently and um, do it well, exactly like you said. So speaking of consistency though, um, Kelsey, so what are some uh, smart habits that freelance translators and interpreters can apply to be consistent and authentic in their social media presence? I would definitely say that um, content creation and having and building that kind of personal brand and a social media presence is it comes down to the environment that you create around yourself. So, um, you know, it'd be really nice if we could all just sit down for maybe two hours in a week and plan out all of our content for the next two months or something like that. That would be great. But my brain just does not work like that. I can't schedule my creative time. I can't um, schedule when I'm going to have a good idea for a post or something like that. So I create an environment to foster that. So I always have... Um, I it's it's just a Google Doc. It's not formatted in any special way or anything like that. I've got a Google Doc um, that's connected to my phone. So if I'm, I don't know, brushing my teeth or if I'm watching a film or something like that, I and I have an idea, I'll just jot it down quickly. I'll just pick up my phone, get the idea out, put it there, and then I'm done. And so that when 
it does come time to write when I am feeling creative or when I know that I have something to post or something like that. I go to my idea sheet and I go, okay, that was a great idea. Um, I'm inspired by this one today. I think I could write a full post about that. So it's not as much, um, it's, it's building the habit to kind of compensate for, because no one can be creative all the time. You know, you can't, you're not going to have great ideas all the time or, you know, just on command. So it's, it's building right. that environment around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I think that's very true. And some, some people can, you know, have them at different times of day where they have a thought or, a, or a, an idea and it, you may not be sitting at your desk. So I really like that idea of having a, a doc at the ready. I know some people use the notes app on their phone as well. And that also yep. works. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you have on hand, whatever works for you. If you're a notebook person, then jot it down in the notebook. But I, I, I can only, I can only count on, you know, so many fingers and toes, how many times I've maybe woken <laughs> up at 3am and gone, this is a great idea. And then just jot it down and then I can go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. Um, so Kelsey, if you could give our listeners your top tips for social media presence, what would those be? Top tips for social media presence. I would say my number one, before you start doing anything, before you start, um, you know, creating your content or writing, absolutely start thinking about those boundaries that you want to, that you want to set. So try and make it as clear as possible. I know it's kind of like a hard exercise to do when you haven't been posting yet, because a lot of times you'll end up finding out what your boundaries are because somebody will push them. But um, you know, as much as you can, try and set those boundaries before you start posting. So that's number one, absolutely. The second thing that I would do is think about, you know, what your tone of voice is like. Think about, um, you know, how do you want to speak with your clients? Who are your ideal clients? Um, and how do they like to be communicated with? I know I work in the marketing space, so um, I'm, I can be more casual. I can, you know, like I would be speaking to, you know, a a branding agency or something like that who are going to be quite casual so that's that's totally fine it, it might be a bit of a different register if you're um you know in legal or medical or something like that but think about you know how you want to present yourself and think about also how you definitely don't want to present yourself thinking about who our ideal clients are and who are are definitely do not want these clients that's just as useful information as who you do want to work with so um, that would be second. And then third, also think about what your own values are. You know, why did you start your business? What do you want out of your business? How do you want to work? Who do you want to work with? All of those things are really, really important to creating your content. You know, what do you want to share with people? Um, I knew that when I went freelance, because the translation industry can be so difficult to get into and I had my experience when I, when I went to, when I went to college that I, you know, I came out with a translation degree, but I didn't know anything about how to sell translation services in the world. I was glad that I got that experience in an agency, but if I had tried to go freelance, I wouldn't have had the smallest clue or anything. I wouldn't, I would have known. Um, I wouldn't even know that, you know, you charge per word. So that's, that was, that was information that I, that I really needed. So I wanted to, I knew when I went freelance that I wanted to be this sort of person that people could come to, um, it, when they just didn't know there was, I, I didn't want there to be any stupid questions when you were speaking to me. Um, so that was a really important part of my business. And that then translates into what I'm going to be putting out there content wise. 
So those are my three things. I would definitely say um, my top tips is, is boundaries, tone of voice, and your own values. I love it. That's fantastic advice. And I, uh... I really uh, appreciate that you set that tone uh, for yourself and how you communicate with your audience right off the bat. Um, this was a, a great conversation. We really enjoyed it. And we are so happy that you agreed to join us today, Kelsey. I think this will help a lot of people. And I, I myself, just listening to you talk about this find, thinking that it does seem less overwhelming and there are certain steps you can take to kind of make smart choices about your social media presence and do it consistently. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's 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 I'm so glad that you feel that way. That's exactly what I try to to put across anytime that I'm right. that I'm doing something like this. I, I want to make this as easy as possible and and a lot less scary. Mm, fantastic. Yeah. And before we go, we'd love it if you join us for a special segment. We like to ask our guests to share something with our listeners about their favorite book or gadget or tool or resource. Uh, we call this segment guests favorites. So is there anything that you would like to recommend? 100% my recommendation is Canva. I I used to be a professional artist and I did graphic art. So mm. it, it it's a little bit um, sacrilegious maybe to say that I love Canva, but I love Canva. It makes it so easy. There's, you know, you can, you can start to build your own sort of personal brand, personal style and stuff in Canva with really easy templates. So if you have a good idea, but you don't know exactly how to, you know, and you know, you want to present it, maybe Instagram is your is your platform, you know, you want to do like a carousel post, but you don't know exactly how to organize the content or something like that. Canva makes it super easy. And um, it's really, it's really helped me develop a, uh, a brand for my own business. It's, it's gotten to the point where, you know, if, if people see one of my posts, they see my green, and they know that it's my content before I've even, you know, before they see my name attached to it. Mm -hmm. So I have, I have Canva absolutely to thank for that. And I'm not, I'm not sponsored by Canva. I promise you, I just really love it. <laughs> yeah. We use Canva too, and we love it as well. Yeah. And I think we have the, I don't know what it is. Is it called the premium version where the paid version? Uh, yeah. And yeah. So worth it. It's not very expensive and it is, you get so much more with it. So right. yeah. Yeah. No sponsorships Absolutely. by Canva here, but <laughs> we do love it. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Kelsey. We know that our colleagues and listeners will love hearing from you about um, social media presence just as much as we did. But before we wrap up the episode, where can everybody learn more about you and find you online? So you can find me on LinkedIn, of course, at Kelsey Frick. And I'm also on Instagram. If you want to see um, some more kind of TikTok style content, those reels at Frickin Freelance. So that's F-R-I-C-K-I-N Freelance. Um, so yeah, that's feel free to send me a message on there. I'm more than happy to, to have a chat with anyone. Great. Thank you. We'll add those links to our show notes. And that's a wrap on this episode. Later this week, our email subscribers will get a summary of the episode with all the links to the resources that we mentioned today. And in addition to that, Kelsey has kindly created a downloadable list of 30 social media content ideas for our listeners. Thank you for that, Kelsey. So um, if you are not receiving your emails yet, please sign up on our website, smarthabitsfortranslators.com. And if you liked this episode, please follow our podcast, share it with your colleagues and friends, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It only takes a minute, and we've recorded a quick video tutorial to show you how to do it. You can find that in our show notes. Talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered some simple strategies that you can apply today at work or at home to help you achieve the lifestyle you desire. 
If you did, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic you want us to cover, please send us a message at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. If you like this episode, we'd appreciate if you'd leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share the podcast with other translators you know.